0: Hey, good morning, thank you for joining us for a recent sermon from Harvest Baptist Church. I'm Mark Likens, I'm the lead pastor here at Harvest. We're a Bible-believing, gospel-centered, grace-driven church family right here in Atrona Heights, Pennsylvania. And if you'd like to learn more about our ministry, you can visit us on Facebook or at harvestbaptist.info. Now, I hope you enjoyed today's sermon. It's my prayer that this will encourage and equip you in your relationship with God. Let us begin this morning with the first three verses. We're going to read Hebrews chapter number 11, verses 1 through 3. Here's what it says. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Not just faith in men, not just faith in an architect or a builder or a pharmacist or a doctor. You have to have faith in God. You have to have faith in his word and in his promises. And most specifically, as Christians, we must have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you can have faith in God, then you can walk through life in a spiritual way that is healthy. But without faith, you can't go anywhere this gives us a description of what faith is and here's what it says it says faith is two things first of all it is the substance of things hoped for now what does that mean when it says substance it means that faith is something substantial faith is something that is solid faith is something that you can stand upon I have something of substance underneath me so I can stand Faith is not hocus-pocus, faith is not willy-nilly, faith is not smoke and mirrors. Faith is something that is substantial of substance that you can stand on, and what it's trying to indicate is that if you are a person of faith in God, then you can have a life that isn't living or standing on jello, but that you can have something that is real and concrete, something of substance to base your life on, and it's the substance of things hoped for. Now, hope in the Bible is not how we use hope today. Hope is not, I wish. Hope is not, I hope I win the lottery. Hope in the Bible is a rock-ribbed assurance based on the promises of God. So, for example, the second coming of Jesus, that Jesus came once, lived, died, was buried, and rose again and ascended to heaven. There is a promise from Jesus that he will come again, which is called the blessed hope. Now, the blessed hope, the second coming of Jesus, is not a blessed maybe. It's not a blessed, uh, maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't. No, it's an assurance that we have based on the promises of Jesus that if he rose from the dead, man, I better believe him. That was special, that he's going to come again. That's what he said, right? So what it's saying is faith is we have this hope. Here's the promises of God, the word of God. I am putting my confidence and assurance in the promises and the word of God. And when I have faith that what God said will come true, that I can trust him, that I can believe him, then I have substance for my life. Then I have something concrete for my life and I'm not standing on jello. But then faith is also the evidence of things not seen. Now, in order to live a victorious Christian life, You have to live above sea level, S-E-E. you got to get above what you can see with your natural eyes. It says faith is the evidence of things that are not seen. Faith is, some have said, this sort of spiritual sixth sense that enables the believer to take a firm hold on the unseen world, the spiritual world, and bring that into the realm of experience. What this is saying is that, We can understand this to a degree, even just with modern instruments, we can uh, pick up these signals, these waves, and we can translate them into phenomena that our senses can handle. And in the same way, faith reaches into the spiritual realm, reaches into that which is invisible, which Jesus created. We know in Colossians 1 that Jesus created all things. Everything consists by him, things that are visible and invisible. And he goes on to name the principalities and the powers, the spiritual realms, angels and demons, things that are real, that you cannot see. Faith is is able to pull that into reality so that your soul can appreciate that, so that you can have evidences of God and his working in your life, that you can begin to grasp what is real, but you can't see it, but it's real, and you can begin to live in enjoyment of that. You know, we have a saying that is uh, seen is believing. But Hebrews 11 says, no, 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 believing is seeing. when it comes to the spiritual. We have a saying that what you see is what you get. But according to Hebrews chapter number 11, what you don't see is what you may get by faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, before we go any further, at the onset of Hebrews chapter number 11, I would like to take a moment and to describe some misconceptions of faith to you. And I think this is important. Because faith has become sort of a junk drawer word in our society that people use faith and throw it around. So that if I tell you, hey, according to the Bible, you need to have faith. I could tell three different people that and three different people may hear something different. Then they define faith in a different way, so I want you to know what faith is not, and there are some kind of delusions of faith that exist in popular society and even in Christendom that aren't accurate and aren't biblical. So first of all, faith is not unthinking faith. When we say have faith, we're not talking about having blind faith or what's been known as fideism, uh, just trusting blindly in something and suspending All rationale, all logic, taking your brain out, setting it on a shelf, and saying, No, my brain doesn't apply here. I can't use rationale, logic, or syllogism. I I just have to have faith. And acting as though faith and rationale are separate from each other. I'm not talking about that. That's not that's not biblical. There are so many evidences of Christianity. Of namely the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus, that are there for us to actually have evidence and rationale and proofs of our faith. And I would be the last person to tell you, we'll just have faith in God or have faith in what he says without, without any evidence, without any logic, without any rationale. God never intends for us to do that. So I'm not suggesting that we'll be able to understand everything. That's all I'm saying. But what I am suggesting is that the term thinking Christian should not be an oxymoron that you don't have to take your brain out and set it on a shelf. That real faith, real faith, will go beyond logic and beyond evidence, not around logic and around evidence. Real faith will go through it, but it'll go beyond it when it's all said and done. Secondly, you need to know that we're not talking about blessing faith, is what I call it. This is the idea that, uh, that if you live by faith, then everything will be great. You will live a charmed life, God will never bring anything bad into your life, whether it be health or circumstances or financially, that he will just bless, 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 bless as long as you have faith. This is oftentimes found in kind of the the health and wealth corners of Christianity. And it's not accurate. What happens is when people begin to believe this or begin to define faith this way, that all of a sudden something negative happens and they beat themselves over the head and they flog themselves to death with, I just didn't have enough faith. If I would have had more faith, then, then I would have got the raise. If I would have had more faith, then I wouldn't have lost my job. If I would have had more faith, then, then you know, I wouldn't be sick. If I, and that's, that's not healthy. James 1 will tell us very clearly that God is the giver of good gifts, but that same chapter will tell us that God oftentimes packages those good gifts in suffering and in persecution and things that we don't particularly enjoy. But when, the gift, when you open up the gift, the gift in and of itself is great, but sometimes it's wrapped up in things that we don't, that we don't like. So faith is not everything's honky dory you'll just have a life of ease. That's not what I'm talking about. You also find that faith is not teaching faith. So there, is, uh, there are a few times in the, in the Bible where the faith is used as a term to describe uh, the classic truth claims of Christianity. Do we need to believe in the faith, the truth claims of Christianity? Sure, but that's not what we're talking about. We're, we're using faith in a different way. We're also not talking about practicing faith, and this is important to note. In our secular society, not much in Christianity, but in our secular society, Faith has become this word that just means they have faith in something. Who cares what, as long as they're genuine. You know what? They're a practicing Muslim. Uh, they're a practicing Hindu. They're a practicing Buddhist. Uh, they're, they're a practicing philanthropist or philosopher or anything. And who cares what they're practicing? I mean, they have their faith, and they have their faith, and they have their faith. What, it doesn't matter really what the practice is or what the faith says or what the truth claims are. What matters is that you're authentic and that you're genuine and that that is helping you to become some sort of a better person. That's what really matters. And I'm not talking about that. The object of our faith is of paramount importance. It's not just that you have faith in something or someone, but that you have to have faith in the right something or someone and that the object of your faith really matters in that saving faith faith that would earn you right standing with god that only comes via faith in jesus christ that you are not going to find saving faith or a faith that will uh, actually give you right standing with god outside of the person of jesus christ it's impossible there is salvation found in no other name except the name of jesus the bible is abundantly clear on that so the object of your faith is important i'm not talking about just a broad have faith in anything we're also not talking about feeling faith. Faith is something that goes far beyond our feelings. It's not divorced from our feelings. No, not in the least. But it's, it is completely detached from our feelings many times. Not all the time, but sometimes. But faith isn't feelings. It's not feelings. It doesn't mean that you can have no feelings with your faith. But don't, don't mistake, uh, don't try to just put the two together and think that they're the same. They're not. But you'll find very quickly, when Hebrews 11 says, here's a description It's concrete. It's something you can stand on. It's the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. It quickly begins to move into the derivatives of faith. Because you have faith, this happens. This comes. And notice, if you will, verse number two. First thing that happens is a good report. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. Nobody ever learned that verse in Awana, I bet. That's that's one of those that's like, what's, what's that verse? Well, it's a simple one. By faith, the ancients, the old people of Israel, the people that are going to be listed in the hall of faith, we're going to walk through Noah and Abraham and Enoch and Isaac and all these people, that those ancients obtained a good report through faith. What does that mean? It means the people of old had faith in God. That Enoch never saw anyone translated before, but he had faith that God could do it. And Noah had never seen a flood before but he believed that God was going to bring one, and he built a boat anyway. And Abraham had never seen the promised land, but he was willing to leave the familiar, and he was willing to reach out in faith and go. And each of them exercised personal faith in God, and in so doing, they received a good report from God that God was, he put his stamp of approval on them because they had faith in them. Now, this is important that you know this. It's simple, but it's important. If you take the Bible and you ring it out, one of the first things that you will ring out of the Bible that will come, I mean, it's all through the pages, is that you are not going to have a life that is pleasing to God apart from faith. It is, I'm going to give you an impossibility. I try not to, not to speak in unequivocal terms unless the Bible does, but the Bible is unequivocal on this. You will not, period, have a life that is pleasing to God unless it is through faith. This is why when you get to verse number 6 of Hebrews chapter number 11, it will tell you that without faith, it is impossible to please him. You have to believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You have to have faith in the evidence of those things that you cannot see. You have to have faith that God is in order to please him. It's impossible to do it without it. This is why Habakkuk would tell us in Habakkuk chapter number two, little book of the Bible, but he makes this statement, that the just live by faith. Those that are justified by God, those that have a good report, those who have God's stamp of approval, they do it by faith. And Habakkuk will juxtapose those that live faithfully versus those who have faith in themselves those that are self-inflated, those that think that I'm awesome and I'm great and I can get the job done and it's all about me. And he says, no, the just live by faith. And Paul will rip that terminology from Habakkuk and he will scream it in Romans and he will scream it in Galatians and he will scream it in Hebrews chapter number 10, two verses before Hebrews 11 verse one. And Paul mentions again the just live by faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. You have to have faith. It's the way it works. This is why if you want to be saved, you want what's saved? You want to be saved from your sin. You want the sin that is in your life, the wrong that you've done, the damage you've done to others and the damage that you've done to yourselves that all of us have and all of us know. If you want to be forgiven of that, you want to be saved from that. You want to be promised a home in heaven. You want to have right standing with God. Ephesians chapter number 2 makes it, I mean, plain as day. It's God's grace, for by grace... Through faith are you saved. It's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. Once again, it's not of works, lest any man should boast. What's it say? You can't get the job done on your own. You gotta have faith. You have to put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that he will forgive you of your sins. And let me tell you, if he forgives you, you don't need anybody else to forgive you. If you wrong someone, go ask for their forgiveness. But at the end of the day, all of our sins are against the holy God. He is the judge of all the universe. And if he forgives you, you don't have to forgive yourself. A lot of people, you know, they race their motors trying to forgive themselves. That's, you don't find that in the Bible. You don't need forgiveness of yourself. You need God's forgiveness. You are the low little county courthouse. God's the Supreme Court. And when the Supreme Court says it's forgiven, it don't matter what the county court says. That's the one that makes the rules, Right? And when God says you're forgiven, well, how do I get forgiveness? How do I get salvation? How do I get a good report? How do I get his stamp of approval? How do I get right standing with God? Faith. Through the grace of God, he will save you if you put faith in him. It's not your works. It's not not your doing, but he will do it. He will save you. You also find not just a good report. You find understanding. Look at verse number three. Through faith, we understand. What's it saying? You get understanding through faith. Now, in the context of verse number three, most specifically, you get an understanding of the creative order, that God made it. It's It's not a bunch of evolution. It's not a big bang. God made it. And it says that he actually made it out of nothing. The things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. What's it saying? He took the invisible, and he out of nothing made everything. Now, there's there's a lot of rationale for that. We could spend a long time talking about intelligent design, talking about how God made us, giving you evidence for that. But at the end of the day, you weren't there. You didn't see it happen. And you you have to have a measure of faith to understand that. But through faith comes understanding. You understand God. You understand the nature of God. You understand how he wants to operate in this world. You understand that there's a home in heaven for you, all through faith. You also find, this is not in the text immediately, but it's worth mentioning as we build out the broad idea of faith before we move forward in Hebrews 11, you also find joy. You get a good report, you get understanding, you also get joy. Now remember, keep this in the back of your head. Verse 1, faith is the evidence of things not seen, right? Now let's read 1 Peter 1. Whom, talking about Jesus, having not seen, you love and whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing. What's, that's, that's the same root word for faith. Pistus. You believe. You have faith. Who? Well, Jesus, the one you haven't seen. Jesus, the one that you don't see right now. And when you have that faith in Jesus, when you believe in him, you rejoice with joy, unspeakable and full of glory. What's Peter saying? Peter's saying, I got to see Jesus, I got to touch Jesus, I got to live with him, I saw him crucified, I saw him raised from the dead, I I got to be there, I saw it, but I'm writing to you, I know you've received the message by faith, You didn't get to see him. You didn't get to touch him. You you didn't get to be with him when he ascended to heaven. You didn't get any of that. But you still believe. You still love him. And that faith in you actually is producing an unspeakable joy, a joy that, like, we don't even know how to put words around this. It is a joy that is unspeakable, and it is full of glory. God gets glory out of this that you would believe on the Lord Jesus even though you haven't seen him face to face. And we will look forward to the day when we will, but right now we don't. And when we have faith in him, joy comes. That's beautiful. You know what Paul would say to the Corinthians? He says, not only do you get joy, not only do you get uh, this confidence, not only do you get understanding, not only do you get right standing with God, but you get a steadiness. 2 Corinthians 4 says it this way. Paul's writing, he says, I have all this trouble in my life, I have all this persecution in my life, I have all this havoc in my life. And he says that I'm able to manage this in this way, verse number 16, for which cause we faint not. All this havoc in my life, and I'm I'm not giving up and I'm not giving in. I'm going steady. How? Well, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Now listen to this. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. What is he saying? He's saying, my life is hard. But I'm keeping my focus on the things which are not seen. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. I'm keeping my focus on the eternal, not on the temporal. I'm keeping my focus on the spiritual. And through that, verse 16, for that cause, we faint not. There's a steadiness and there's a stability to my life because I am a person of faith. Simply put, when you are full of faith, you will be faithful. That's how it works. And Paul says, I have this. Now you tell me. Does that package of benefits sound pretty good to you? A good report with God, right standing with God? Joy, understanding, stability for ever chaotic lives? Doesn't that sound fantastic? How many would say, I want some of that? Like, sign me up. I want some, I want more of that, right? I want more joy. I want more stability. I want more substance in my life. How? Faith. That's how. So the million dollar question becomes, how do I get faith? And there's two answers to it. One answer, which I will belabor later probably, but not today, is from God. But the other answer that is, a bit more reliant on you, and the Bible does say that there's faith that comes via some things that you and I can do. And I want to leave you with these this morning because I want you to take them into your week. And I want you to pick one or two or maybe all three of them and say, you know what? I want to try to develop my faith. I want to see more of this in my life so I can have more joy, so I can have more stability. So how do you develop your faith? Number one, you saturate your life with the Word of God. Romans chapter number 10 tells us, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Simple verse. Faith comes from hearing, hearing comes from the word of God. So when you saturate your life with the word of God, all of a sudden you will have more faith. So ask yourself, how often are you putting yourself under the truth of the gospel, under the promises of God? Are you studying scripture on your own? Are you in a group at church where you're studying the scriptures together? Are you trying to faithfully attend church where you can be under Hebrews 11 or Ruth chapter number 4 or under the preaching of God's word? Are you listening to an audio Bible? Are you reading your Bible with a devotional? Are Are you saturating yourself with the word of God? When you don't understand everything that you read, still read it. When you don't feel like reading, still read When you don't feel like showing up, don't don't rely on your feelings. Sometimes you want to show up, come then. When you don't want to show up, come then too. Put yourself under the Word of God. Ask yourself, what is is my Scripture intake? Is, Is there a heavy amount of that? Is there a moderate amount of that? Is there just a little amount of that? Because the more you have of that, the more your faith will increase. Secondly, dedicate your life to the Son of God. If you read Hebrews 11 and you go out of it, you immediately go to Hebrews chapter number 12. Now, the chapter divisions are man-made. I don't know where the chapter is actually supposed to be divided or not. I like how they did it here. But you find that Hebrews chapter 11 immediately flows into these verses. We're compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, so let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. And then listen to this. We're looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, What's it saying? Jesus is the author of our faith. Jesus is the finisher of our faith. Jesus is the alpha and the omega. Jesus is the beginning and the end. If you want faith, you need faith in Jesus. If you're a, a person of faith, meaning you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then talk to him. Thank him for loving you and dying for you. Fixate on him right now and praise him. Go to him and commit some things to him. Tell him, you know what? I'm I want your help and your strength and your grace to be more faithful here. To actually be more involved here, to open up your word more here. Commit some things to him. But if you don't know Jesus as your Savior in this room, and you may have even classified yourself as a person of faith, but you have never put your faith 100% exclusively and solely on the name of Jesus, I need you to know that there's no real faith outside of that. Jesus says that he'll save you. That he'll take away your sins. He'll forgive them. He'll give you a home in heaven. He he will come into your life. But that is only through repentance and faith. You have to be willing to say, I've I've sinned, I've done wrong, and I, I admit it. I humbly admit it, and I lay it down and say, Jesus, I repent of that, and I'm putting my faith in you. Would you forgive that? Would you take that away? Would you cleanse me? Would you change me? And he promises that if you will come to him in repentance and faith, that he'll save you. And if you've never done that, I wanna help you maybe do that right now. You say, Pastor, how, how would I? You call out to him by faith. You pray. And right where you sit, if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus alone, perhaps pray something like this. Say, Jesus, I have faith that you came and you weren't just a man you were God in the flesh and I believe that you died for me and that you rose from the dead miraculously and right now I put my faith exclusively on you I am not trusting myself I am not trusting other gods I am not trusting my parents religion my baptism I'm not trusting any of it. I'm trusting you and you alone And I ask you, Jesus, save me from my sin. Forgive me and come into my life. Now, it doesn't have to be those words. It's not a script. It doesn't have to be those words. But if you will, with sincerity, ask him to save you with something like that, he will. You say, how do you know? I have faith in his promises. And he promised that he would. Hey, this is Pastor Mark again, and I wanted to take a moment and just say thank you for tuning in to today's message. I hope that the message both challenged and encouraged you from the Word of God. Maybe you're listening for the first time. I want you to know that we believe the most important decision you'll ever make is the decision to know Jesus in a personal, intimate way. To find out more about that, you can visit harvestbaptist.info forward slash gospel. If you live in one of the four counties that are church borders, Allegheny, Westmoreland, Armstrong, Butler, and you don't have a church home, then we would invite you to come and to worship with us and join in the gospel work that God is doing here at Harvest Baptist Church. Maybe you're a regular listener and God's laying it on your heart to support the ministry and the outreach of Harvest. Your gift would help us reach more people more effectively with the gospel message. If you'd like to partner with us for ministry in western Pennsylvania and around the world, you can visit harvestbaptist.info forward slash give. Again, thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.